Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. So we're talking about rest, right? Last week we're talking about this rest that God has shaped us for, He made us for, and uh, we really looked at, you know, Psalms 23, that He is our shepherd, right? So He's our shepherd. In Him we lack nothing. And for us to understand high-performing people, high, highly successful individuals, they, they're full on, they go really hard and they do stuff all in, and then they are all out. They fully rest, okay? It, in the kingdom, you should have something to be tired of, not just always tired. Low-performing all the time, right? God wants to see his people in, in rest perform at a high level. So he gave us this balance with this whole concept of the sabbatical that we get to move into rest. And the sabbatical used to be a day of rest, right? And it was symbolic of something that Christ was going to do and finish for us, but it was found in a promise, and that promise was given to Abraham. So if each one of us really wants to fully grasp and get all of what's in the new covenant, we have to go back to the promise of Abraham. And all of the promises that were established or covenanted to Abraham have not been wiped away. In fact, the promise was not in the law. The law, Galatians says, was a tutor. It was your babysitter to help you get to the kingdom, which was Christ. The promise is in Abraham's promise. What God gave him, he said, I'm going to make this happen. You're going to watch me do this. And I'm going to fulfill it. And he fulfilled it in Christ. But we have to see this like we talked about last week. If we really want to be able to be successful or, or get the fullness of what Christ has, uh, has really purchased for us, we have to understand who our good shepherd is, what he's purchased for us, what is in the promise, how do we actually go after it, and what steals it? What can rob it from us? Because many of us aren't experiencing the full, and I would say even me, we're not experiencing the fullness of all of what Christ has purchased for us, and there's a reason. But we want to combat this, and we want to come in. It's not striving. It's not working more. It's not it laboring more. It's not more of measuring up. That is not the table that God has prepared for us, because the Bible tells us he prepared a table for us. And we read it here in Psalms 23. So Psalms 23, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. So when he's my shepherd, I lack nothing. Not when I'm my shepherd. When I am my shepherd and in me I lack everything. Okay, everything. And the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This was last week. He makes you lie down. There's a time for you to lie down, right? So if you didn't get that message, like you need to get it. Go lie down. Every, work hard. And go lie down. That's the, that's the message. Okay. Verse 3, he, and he leads me he, by quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Not me. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Just pause for a second. Successful believers do not lead themselves for their own namesake. You and I don't get to participate or partake of the fullness of the table and the blessings that God has given us if we're leading ourselves down our own paths for our own namesake. 
So to partake of the fullness of what God has prepared for you, you and I have to let him be the good shepherd, trust that he prepared a table that's got everything in it, that we lack nothing. There's scones and bagels and coffee with flowers in it. I don't drink coffee with flowers in it very often, but spice it up. Maybe it's some sort of herbal tea going on there. All right. He refreshes my soul, guides, and leads me for his name's sake. See, watch this. When, when he leads me for his name's sake, now he is lifted up. See, God loves it when his name is lifted up. That's actually what the whole point of all of this is, is that Jesus be lifted up. When Jesus be lifted up and I'm being led for his name's sake and he leads me and he is glorified, then when Jesus is lifted up, what does the Bible say? He draws all men unto him. So when he's lifted up in and through my life by him guiding me and leading me to this table of prosperity, then he's lifted up. And then more people get saved and invited to the banqueting table. Woo! That's kind of a fun thing to be a part of. But it's not for your namesake or my namesake. It's not, oh, the shepherd is Josh. I'm not the good shepherd. I will try to be a good shepherd, but I'm not the good shepherd. And I cannot lead you or guide you by still waters. I can't do all of those things. That's Jesus' job. I can try to help. My job is to be a, a help, but you can't let me be your shepherd. He has to be your shepherd. And everybody needs a good pastor, but that's not my job, okay, is to be Jesus. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, and I will, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow. There's a lot of really good promises in this passage. We get to sit at the table that he's prepared for us. And what do we have when we sit at the table? He says his presence is there with us. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's presence is in his house. He gets to sit at the table with us. So he's sitting at the table, dining with us. How sweet is that? When you sit at the table, you get to eat and have all the provision for you, and that's a, that's a position of rest. Rest in your provision. Does that sound a little different than the curse? Okay, so when Adam blows it, when Adam and Eve blow it, Adam's curse is, you're gonna work the land by the sweat of your brow forever. Boo. Bad day for mankind, right? But in Christ, we, have some, we find something different. We find this opportunity to sit at the table and have provision given to us in rest, not labor. Oh, that's good. So when Jesus says, I want you to pray like this, you're my kingdom come, my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It, listen, there, there's eternity where it's all perfect. And in there, the promise is rest. The promise is rest. It, the promise was given to Abraham. And he was given to Abraham in this context of kind of four parts. 
that there's the personal promise. Then there was a promise of like land. And there was a promise of domestic and spiritual, okay? That was, that was sealed in this promise he gave to him. But in Hebrews it says that that land was actually not the actual destination. Otherwise, when Joshua entered into it, they would have, all the people of God, all of us would have experienced rest. He goes, no, that is not the place of rest. The place of rest is Jesus. When you have Jesus, now, now you've found rest. Because he's actually the one, through his sacrifice, allows you to enter into the Holy of Holies boldly by faith through grace. No other way. Not by works. Okay? So we have access to the fullness of all of these promises. Spiritual, domestic, territorial, and personal, all in Christ. All those that were promised to Abraham, we have them now in Christ as we come and sit at the table and rest in the provision that he's given us in all those areas. That's a pretty good promise. The key is, is whether or not we're going to go after it. See, there's an interesting thing that happened in, in uh, this time with Abraham is he was given a sign of the promises, the covenant that was, that, that was sealing him. The covenant looked like this. It promised son. He said I'm going to give you a son. And Abraham's like, how in the heck is that going to happen? I'm too old for that kind of business. Right? And then he goes, guess what? It's going to happen. And before that, I want you to stand out. This is Genesis 15. He goes, look at the stars in the sky. You can't even count them. That's how many your offspring are going to be. He's like, whoa, those are going to be my kids. My kid's coming through your kid. Then he promises him a land, a place of rest. And he says, you're going to enter it by faith. Every single one of these things that Abraham entered into, all these promises, were not by works, but they were by faith. And when he trusted in God, God gave him a sign. A sign of the covenant was called circumcision. And it was all the children of God were sealed with one thing, and you could see it. It was physical. And that thing was a sign of not the, the promise that Abraham would respond to God rightly, it was no, it was a sign of what God promised he would do. Like the rainbow with Noah. God, God gave that sign to promise he's not gonna do something again, which is flood the earth. Circumcision, again, is a sign that he gave to man, not that we get to prove ourselves to God with. And that, that circumcision sign, do you know what that sign is now in the new covenant? It's communion. So the new covenant sign that we're sealed with is communion. You know where that was done? It was done sitting around a table. They sat down around a table, and Jesus said, you're going to eat of my flesh. And he breaks off some bread. And he goes, you're going to drink of my blood. They're like, we're freaking out. This is sealed in the new covenant around a table, a banqueting table. See, Jesus laid it out for his people. He said, in a, even for his disciples in a parable, and he said, look, I want you to go gather. In this parable, he tells his disciples, go gather all kinds of people, all the most important people, and go gather them and invite them to my banqueting table where I'm gonna have provision for you. And it was a wedding banquet. And you know what? Nobody showed. So he goes, go out and find every person, the lowest of the lows, the baddest of the bad, or even good, go get anybody that'll come and bring them in to my house. 
And he comes in and he throws a big feast. Come on. And that's the reward that you and I get. There is a banqueting table prepared for you and I that is sealed by the blood of Jesus. And there's a sign that it's there and that you have it. And it's in communion. And every time you and I take communion, we're sitting at the Lord's table remembering that God prepared something for us. He did it for us. It's finished in him. And we get to eat of that. And it's not just a physical eating. It represents all of the promises given to Abraham fulfilled in Christ. It's, it's the new sign. It's the new sign that we get to sit with the presence of God and he has prepared for us everything we need. And it says in Psalms, and in him we lack nothing. In him we lack nothing. So there's an interesting thing that happened in the Old Testament is after Abraham, kind of the, the, the ball gets passed to Moses. He's kind of the next quarterback, right? Of the team, from Abraham to Moses. And Moses leads all the people of Egypt out and he gets them through the Red Sea, big victory. They're like free, they're no longer slaves. They're heading off and then they get the law, the Ten Commandments, and they have a, something to govern and help them stay on track. And they get right up to the promised land, right up to the edge. And they do this interesting thing, which, which I'm, I don't know if this was a mistake or not, and I don't know if it's ever could be known, but <clears throat> Moses sends out a bunch of spies into the land. And this is interesting to me because they wanted to go see if it was really as good as God had promised it was. Was the table that he said he prepared for them really as good as they thought it was? And could they take it? Could they actually go possess it? They had a little bit of a wrong mindset. So they go in and they go scout it out 40 days. They're checking it all out. They all come back and they have this huge group of spies that all go, it's terrifying in there. We're going to die. The giants and there's huge walls and there's cities and there's no way we can take this. Let's go back to Egypt where at least we can be slaves. <laughs> that literally is what happened. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb come in and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, this land is ripe for taking. Do you see the size of the grapes in this land? Did you see the rivers? Did you see the land? Did you see the prosperity? God promised that's the food at our table. What are you guys thinking? Who cares about the enemies? See, this is the power of what you see, what you choose to see. See, what you choose to see will shift how you feel about everything. A group of spies chose to see the enemy, the giants, the walls of Jericho. And then two men chose to see the table set before them. What are you going to choose to see? See, God has prepared a table for you that's been given and promised in covenant, sealed in covenant to Abraham, then sealed and purchased by the blood of Jesus, and the sign is now communion, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the fullness of God inside of you to go eat and sit and eat in the presence of God and, and partake of everything good that he ever designed for you. You have that promise. Paved way. 
All it says is by faith, no one, Hebrews 11 says, no one entered in to the promise except by faith. All of them entered by faith. At every level, it's like never was by works, never was by the law. It was always by faith that they sat at the table and partook of what God had, had purchased and designed and promised them. You and I, we're no different. We're just those expanded children of God that are all over the world. We're those people that were invited to the banqueting table second. And we go, I'm coming to eat. I'm not coming to just sit on the outside of the door and get nothing. No, Lord Jesus, put those wedding robes on me, clean me up, and take me to the table, and I'll sit down, and I'm ready to eat it up. Whatever he has. But there's, there's, there's important things here that we have to see. We cannot, we cannot get distracted from the focus of what Christ has really called us to look at. And this is what I want us, I want us to see this, is that the, 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 the spies, they looked at the enemy. But look at, look at how God is. God is so radical. He's so radical that when you have a mind shift and you become like Joshua and Caleb and you stop looking at the enemy and you start looking at the table he's prepared for you, you do things differently. So when Joshua and everyone who was 20 years and younger, after 40 years, okay, so 40 years in the desert, all the Israelites, because of their lack of faith, and really, they said, God, we really don't think you're good enough to prepare a table for us. In fact, what's in your table you prepared for us, we don't trust you'll give it to us or that it's really worth going into, going after. So he goes, okay, 40 years you were dinking around a bunch of knuckleheads in my promised land that I gave you, 40 years you'll be dinking around in the desert. And everybody under 20 gets to go in except for Joshua and Caleb because they had faith. Joshua and Caleb were like, sweet. <laughs> right decision. <laughs> Actually, their decision was based on what they chose to see. They chose to see God. They chose to see faith. They chose to see and have faith in who they saw God to be. All right, so Joshua and Caleb, they get ready to go in. They got their new young army that they've trained up, and they're like, hey, talking about the table, talking about the table, talking about the promised land. This is ours. They're just, they're just beating it into them over the generations as they're emerging. We're going in one day. God said in 40 years, we got to go in. So then they get to go in. He brings 40,000 people across. And they go in. And you know what happens when the children of God step across the Jordan and they get into the promised land? Do you know what happened in the entire land of Canaan? It began to tremble with fear. Every person in that land began to tremble with fear. Do you know why? They were trespassing. You know why everybody was afraid when God's kids showed up? They weren't God's kids. And... They were trespassing on God's land. They were eating his kids' food off his table. And they didn't like that. They got afraid. No city wall could keep them from being afraid. And they knew they could feel the fear of God was put inside of every single man, woman, and child because they were trespassing. Joshua walked in and he knew that belonged to him, because God said it did. And it didn't matter how big their walls were. Kind of like David looking at Goliath going, 
it kind of doesn't really matter how big you are, how big your spear is, or your biceps, or nothing, because God is God, and he's on our side. So he picked up a little pebble, and he goes, and the dude dies, because that's all you need. I think he could have just ran up and just like chest bumped him, then Goliath would have died. It didn't matter. Because he prepared a table for you. And when you understand what he's done for you, you walk in differently. And the enemy knows it. See, this is the thing. The enemy knows Jesus. They're not homies, but he knows him. He knows who he is, and he knows him by name. And his, even the demons know him. And when they hear his name, they fear and tremble. Do you know why they tremble? Do you know why when Jesus walked up to the man, he was possessed by unimaginable amount of demons at the tomb. He walked up, he just started shaking and freaking out. He's like, Because Jesus showed up and he said, hey, 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 you're in my territory. All those demons trapped up inside that wild man. Kind of looked like Larry a little bit, just kind of wild. possessed by all kinds of demons he gets close and all those demons like going ah, don't kill us why he goes you're on my property eating my food right now it's time to get in the pigs out of here boom they're all gone empty vessel filled with the holy ghost because that's that was his space that's his space you walk on the scene you give your heart to Jesus, you're a child of God. You're walking in the fullness of his power. He's prepared a table for you. And you know where he prepared it? Just like Joshua walking in the land of Canaan, going right up to Jericho, he prepared it in the presence of your enemy. Right where the enemy thinks it's his territory, he goes, boom, that's mine. And he's a show-off. God's a show-off. He's the only one that gets to be a show-off. He's the only one. Because he doesn't have an ego. Because he's not arrogant. But does he ever like to show off his kids? Does he ever like to show off his goodness, his glory, his love, his patience, his kindness? Come on, does he ever want to show off just everything good about there ever was in life? And he wants to do it right in the midst of your enemy. So we look at the battle of Jericho, it's wild because Joshua comes in and he had learned his lesson from watching Moses. He had watched old Mo do the right thing and the wrong thing. <laughs> and you know what else he did? Is he sat in the power of God's presence and he would even linger after Moses would leave. And he knew God and he understood what God wanted and he had tasted of the table. And he goes, oh, God, how much better could it be? And he, did, he wasn't distracted at all. He goes across, and they're over there, and he kind of gets people scouting things out. And then an angel of the Lord meets him, and he goes, guess what you're going to do? And he goes, tell me. <laughs> he kind of did that on his face. But he's like, I really want to know. And he goes, guess what you're going to do? You're not going to go in, and you're not taking your battering rams and your fires and your catapults, and you're not going to chip at the walls. Bing to try to knock this thing down. You're not going to tunnel under. You're not going to siege it and make them starve them out. You know what you're going to do? You're going to walk around it six times on the seventh day. You're just going to walk there, and then you're, gonna, you're just going to sit there, 
at the table I prepared for you and just watch it all come tumbling down. Then I want you to go in there and just take a biax, go in and eat it all up. You know what I'm saying? He says, I want you to go in and sit at the table and rest as I just plunder this place. And all the walls just tumble down around them. Resting in God's provision. Did they go in? Did they do that by choice? Yes. They had to, did they do it by faith? Yes. Did they provide for themselves? No. God prepared the table, and they trusted and did what he said. See, if you and I are going to really get the fullness of what God purchased for us, we have to die to everything around us. We have to die to everything on the outside. So what can rob you of the provisions on the table that Christ has prepared for you? What can steal that from you? The only thing that can steal it from you is you. You actually don't even get it stolen. You give it away. So we're, we heavily preach grace in this church. We are a full-on, full-out, grace, mega, monster church. Grace, everything. Has to be. But grace has boundaries. Because grace only empowers the righteousness of God. It only empowers the kingdom movement. It only is the stuff on the table. That's prepared for you. It's, it's what purchased a seat for you at the table. It's what allows you to be in the presence of God, eating at the table, fellowshiping with, fellowshiping with your homie, Jesus, because he is your homie. He says, I am your friend. Homie is slang for friend, if you're wondering. Okay. <laughs> he, Jesus, is at the table. You get to experience the power of his presence, and he fills you, and he provides all of that. But, he said, but this is the thing, is if your eyes are not on the table but rather on the Jericho in your life, the enemies, the giants in your life, then you are going to look away from the table and start to get afraid of everything. In fact, you invite the enemy, oh, hey, why don't you just come and sit at my table with me? That God prepared for me. You actually don't have a place. Because God says, the enemy's got no place at your table. In me, you are sealed, you are perfected, you are protected. But we invite him. You know how we invite him? <laughs> sin. Does anybody make you sin? No. Is it? <laughs> uh -uh. Uh -uh. You choose. See, but this is again about what you see. If you see sin as fun, if you see sin as uh, something that God is keeping you from, fun God is keeping you from, if you see God as a God who isn't trying to protect you and give you his best, so like you see sin as actually the thing you could go get yourself and it would be as good as what's at the table God prepared for you. Okay, I'm just... It isn't about you measuring up. God purchased a seat at the table for you. This is new covenant, all right? I get to eat here because he purchased it for me. But when I decide I'm gonna 
choose sin in my life, I basically have chosen that I see sin as actually something that doesn't lead to death. I now see sin as something that doesn't imprison me. So I think actually sin is freedom. So it's about what you see. See, if I see sin as freedom, then I feel like God is keeping me from the fun thing that I don't get to do and have to eat a scone. Come on, just let that sink in. But if I see sin as death, if I see sin as prison, see, but it's about what I see. It's not about how I feel about it. Because I feel differently about it when I see it differently. Because just think about this. If I think it's fun and it's like freedom and God's put me in table prison, Oh, I have to sit here and be in table prison. Oh, if I could just be free and do all the sinful things and fulfill my own lust of my flesh, then I would really get to do all the fun things. If I actually see that, then I'm always going to be like, oh, how much can I get off of God's table and go try to do some of these other things out here? And I'm going to feel like I'm always being held back from something good. Do you remember what the devil said to Eve in the Garden of Eden? When he goes, hey, the, the Lord thinks that, you, you know, you, you, you have it all here in this garden. But he's just trying to hold you back from what's really cool out there. Come on, eat of that apple. Remember when he said that to Eve? First Joshalonians, right? <laughs> he's looking out there, he's like, He's like, oh, you want to go out there, don't you? Yeah, he's holding you back from the good stuff. Because if you knew good and evil, then you'd really be having fun. He just got Eve. This is called deception, right? You see differently. And you think what you see is right. And when you think what you see is right, then, of course, you do it. So when I think that the table isn't good enough for me and that sin is actually where all of fulfillment is, then I feel differently about it. But when I see sin as death, when I see it is corruption and as prison, which is what the Bible tells us it is, death is prison. Then I feel differently about it. I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with your stupidness. You devil, you stay over there. But you stay there. You're not going far because I'm going to sit here and I'm going to eat in your presence and you're going to suffer watching me experience the power of God's glory. It's going to be awesome. You're going to watch Jericho come all the way down around you while I sit here and I just gobble up all the good stuff that God prepared for me. And I'm going to rest in it. Because he does the work. But my job is to get to the table and stay at the table and trust in that what he prepared. So the other thing is, the other thing that will rob you from the table is maybe it's not the enemy. It could be his deception. But you begin to bring other things like your career, your job, your significance, your money. What, what, just fill in the blank. A, a, a person. It's another human, oh, if I just had that woman, oh, if I just had her, then I'd be fulfilled because what's at your table, God, isn't good enough for me. If I, you might be a young teenager, oh, if I just had that man, oh, if he would just look at me and he'd just pay attention to me and then I'd just have everything I need. Thinking your need comes from an outside source What's on your table is not a woman, it's not a man, 
It's not a money. It's not money. It's not your job. It's not a position. There's no outside power. It's lost to everything. Everything on the outside of this table is, is a distraction. It's an enemy to me. Whether it's a devil or it's a deception or it's some kind of distraction, it is the opposite of what fulfillment is really going to be in my life, and that's going to be at the table. So what happens is I now no longer see with my eyes anything outside of what God has prepared for me as something that will give me fulfillment. Only what God has prepared for me is what I need. So now I have nothing but one thing, the table he prepared before me. Come on. <laughs> Come on. The table he prepared before me. You know why I get a rest in that? Because I didn't make the table. I didn't prepare it. I don't have to maintain it. What's my job? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'll sit at your table. I'm going to dwell. I'm going to dwell here. And so what do I do? What, how do I work in rest? God, whatever you put on the table for me. That's all I need. I don't need anything else. All my provision comes from you. All the blessings in my relationships come from you. The fulfillment in my own desire comes from you. That doesn't matter about the outside circumstances. So, so many times we also look at sickness, illness, disease, and we look to that on the outside as if, oh, where is God's goodness? If all those things are happening around us, what about loss of loved ones? Come on, stuff that really hurts. I had a pastor call me just uh, yesterday. Our whole church burned down. I heard your building collapse. I'm like, oh, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> you know what he's experiencing? He's in the midst of chaos. He's in the midst of destruction. You and I, we're in the midst of it all the time. And you know where we're supposed to be? It's right in the middle of that stuff. The enemy all around. Destruction all around. And how do we behave? Oh, we behave like children at the, as princes and, and princesses at the king's table, eating of the goodness of God and being a blessing to the world around us. He said, I blessed you so you would be a blessing. He didn't say, I remove you from the chaos, from the herd and all the destruction. No, he said, I want you to be me, I want you to eat of my table in the midst of that loss. See, but when you, this is, this is the most encouraging thing you're going to hear out all day today. You're going to lose everything anyway. <laughs> everything that Jesus did not purchase for you at the table, you lose. Your body, gone. Your, your wife, gone. Your husband, dead. Your job, lost. <laughs> Your nice house, gone. I'm sorry. You don't get to keep any of that stuff. The sooner you lose it, the better off you are. Because you lose it now, give it up and just focus on the table he's prepared for you. And then all those things are just things that are a part of your life that are really stuff that God has prepared for you to use, give away, to sow, to, it's just, it's not your life. Your life is in the table. Your life is in the table, but you have to see that. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I, you guys like need an encouragement or something after that, really sad. If you don't lose to learn to lose well, 
Come on, if you don't learn how to lose well, then you're going to lose great. Come on, if you don't learn how to lose well, you're going to kind of lose in a big way. Because you'll be gripping onto it and then it is gone. But when it's just like, God, I didn't prepare this table. I actually didn't even earn the spot to sit at the table. You earned it for me. And I love the story of Jonathan's uh, son. And it was like Saul's grandson. I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, Mephibosheth. That's right. I love this story. I actually didn't uh, put this in my message, so I'm just thinking of it right now. But uh, it, I, I hear it in the song that we're going to sing here at the end. And uh, he, he was a cripple, right? And they would take him and set him at the table ooh, that he did not deserve to be at or earn to be at. This is what Jesus did for us. He just did all the work, even though we didn't deserve it or earn it. He just picks us up, plops us down at the table, says, boom, there's your seat. I purchased it for you. Guess what? I bought the muffin. I bought the scones, and I, I paid for all the plates, and I filled it up with coffee, and I made it just for you. You don't have to maintain it. You don't have to do anything to stay at the seat. All you got to do is eat. But I want you to do something for me in the midst of the chaos of all the stuff going around your life. I want you to eat it in the presence of your enemies because I prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Because I'm going to show off how awesome I am in and through you as my kid. Because when they see how great it is to be one of my kids, I be lifted up. I will draw all men unto me. Come on. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. Psalms 18, 2. Psalms chapter 23, verse 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And come on, Lord, I want to have goodness and your mercy and all of the things you prepared for me. God, will you shift my mindset so that I no longer look to the things of this world or the enemy's deceptions or sin as something that would be freedom for me, rather prison. It's the desert. It's slavery in Egypt. God, I want what you prepared for me at your table. I want to experience the fullness of the good things you prepared because I see with my eyes you're good. Come on, just close your eyes for a moment. If you close your eyes for a second, I want you to pray. Jesus, change my mind, my eyes. I want to see you as good. God, you're a good heavenly father. I want to see you as good. I want to know you as the good heavenly father, but I have to see that first. And God, help me to see right now that you prepared something good for me. You prepared everything I need. In you, the good shepherd, I lack nothing. I want to rest in you. I come and sit at your table right now. Come on, just pray this. I sit at your table right now and I give my life to you. And Lord, I just, I just break off in the name of Jesus every distraction, every weight, everything holding me back. And Jesus, I see you as my source. Nothing else. So when you think about this, the way you see God affects how you eat at the table. The way you see God affects how you eat at the table. You see God as this fearful God. If you don't eat everything right, he's going to thump you. You're like, oh, worried about taking a bite of this and a bite of that. 
If you're afraid the enemy can steal from you, if you're afraid the enemy could kick you off the table or your sin could kick you off the table, you're always going to be looking out at the enemy and like trying to protect all your stuff. But if you live like a son and a daughter of the king, see, a son and a daughter of the king just don't even know. They're just so spoiled. They don't even know it. They just sit there and food just keeps coming. They go, fill my goblet, and it just, it's full. And it even says here, it says it's brim and overflowing. Because David saw himself as the son of the king. And he was a king. He knew what it was like. He's all like, keep it full. And it's always full. Food is overflowing. They don't live in this scarcity mindset that they got to hoard and protect everything. When you live like a prince and a princess of the king, you, you live differently. You eat differently at the table because you trust in the provision of your God, not in what you can provide for yourself. So if you would, just, I want to I wanna worship here and I want us to rest. I just want you to take some time as we worship. Just shift your mindset. God, do something in my life and my heart. Would you do that with me right now, Father? Will you do something in my life and my heart as I worship you? As I sit at your table, God, I pray that you would make me see you for who you really are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.